I said a hip hop, the hibbit, the hibbit to the hip, hip hop. You don't stop. Rock to the bang, bang, boogie. Said up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat. The seeds were planted for my obsession with hip hop as soon as I heard those opening lines of the Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight. When I heard that song, I'm instantly taken back to a night in September 1979 when I was eight years old and I used to stay uptown in my grandmother's apartment in Washington Heights. Even though I was supposed to be asleep, I snuck out of bed and peeked into the living room where my aunts Melanie and Cindy, my mom's younger sisters, were hosting one of their house parties. Rapper's Delight was blasting off the record player and I was completely mesmerized. I didn't know what I was hearing, but the beat and the rhyming lyrics were infectious. Nothing could be greater than this. I looked around at my aunt's friends dancing and laughing and partying like whatever problem they had in the world didn't exist. And Rapper's Delight became the coolest thing I had ever heard in my whole eight years on this planet. I was hypnotized. Like something inside me had been changed. And now I was ready to hear and feel more of what I'd felt that night. Where I came from, there was a lot of us kids having a similar experience. In fact, if you look at the history of hip-hop, it sprang from the same neighborhoods in the same time period as I did. From its roots in the house parties of the early 1970s. Not unlike the ones my aunts would throw in my grandmother's apartment on Dykeman Street. It was there and at the nearby homes of other family members in the Bronx where I was first exposed to the same melting pot of musical and cultural influences that also helped shape hip-hop. And on both sides of my family tree, which was mostly Puerto Rican but also Dominican and Cuban, there was always some kind of music playing. Something great cooking, and we definitely had colorful characters and strong voices. My mother, Shirley Maldonado, who raised me as a single mom, was no exception. At 17, she had gotten pregnant and then had me when she was 18. She was married one year before she walked in on my father, Julio, a.k.a. Nat, in the shower with another woman, or something like that. Despite everything, or perhaps because of everything, my mother always had dreams of getting out of a dysfunctional situation and doing better for herself, having more, learning more, going further. She just wanted more. Petite, dark-haired, and fair-skinned, my mother always looked younger than the other moms. Yet her drive and independence made her seem more mature than most. Even though she and I ended up moving a lot in my early years, what I remember most was growing up with the knowledge that I was loved. And that love was always on display whenever we spent time uptown visiting my grandmother Livia and her husband Tommy, who she married after a rough relationship with her first husband, my grandfather Victor. My grandma Livia is a tiny little woman who has a natural warmth. She's been through a lot and she's seen a lot and she's worked hard her whole life. Still, she's one of the funniest people I know. I get such a kick out of her. Her husband, Tommy, is a stand-up guy with a great smile and a short buzz cut left over from his service in the Marines. Tommy's a real Puerto Rican, strong and stern, but the kind of stern that kids actually like. In fact, he's the man I know as my grandfather, probably the only steady male figure I've ever had in my life. If I ever decide I want to be married, Tommy would be the one to walk me down the aisle. The other members of the household in those years included Aunt Melanie, Aunt Cindy, and Uncle Stephen, my mom's three younger siblings. They were all close in age, so there were a lot of sibling fights, usually over clothes or something stupid like that. But they escalated quickly, and they definitely kept the household lively. Cindy, born after my mother, was the middle child, who was very close to my mom, feisty and petite at 4'11". And Melanie, the youngest, liked to party and hit the clubs in the 80s. She was over 5'8" which was unusually tall for the whole family. 
Stephen, the only boy in the family, was rambunctious as a kid and later struggled with mental health issues. Even so, he was really close with my grandmother, and she always did her best to protect him. Our family's roots uptown had been planted all the way back in the 1940s, when my mother's grandfather, Miguel, Livia's father, came from Cuba to 172nd Street in St. Nicholas. We all called him Huelo, short for Abuelo, grandpa in Spanish. Huelo, who I just adored, had suffered the loss of his wife, my great-grandmother, who was from the Dominican Republic, after a tragic car accident that took her life before I was born. I never met her, but my great-grandmother's death haunts me to this day, for good reason. Huelo, always obsessed with taking photos, used to photograph everything and actually took pictures of the car wreck that killed my great-grandmother. The images of that car crash have stayed with me my whole life. To this day, I'm never fully comfortable sitting in the passenger seat of a car. Wello was a larger-than-life figure, and I loved going to visit him. A fair-skinned Cuban, not tall but hefty, he liked to eat. Wello wore thick reading glasses and long-sleeved flannel shirts and would keep a little disposable camera tucked in his shirt pocket so he could take pictures wherever he went. Wello was known on the block. He'd walk into the Dominican restaurant and they'd say, El viejo Miguel, arroz blanco, habichuela y un bistec. Yes, they knew his order before he told them. He was that type of guy. Wello also taught me something about the reality of the neighborhood. Despite the fact that he was known on the block, he admitted that he had to be careful because he was also getting robbed regularly. I don't mind if it's a gun, but it's the knives that scare me, he explained, his robbery preference. 